Today on the Matt Wall Show, a New York Times writer says he's given up on reaching out to Trump voters after all of his outreach efforts have failed. But we can learn something important about the leftist mentality from the way he went about this supposed outreach. So we'll talk about that today. Also, five headlines, including a press conference held by Trump's lawyers laying out their voter fraud claims, uh, some of them quite extraordinary. Tucker Carlson says that one of his one of Trump's lawyers, Sidney Powell, has refused to provide any of the evidence she claims to have. So we'll try to make sense of all that today. And in our daily cancellation, New York Magazine produces, honestly, one of the most racist videos you will ever see in your life. Probably the most racist video you'll ever see on YouTube. And it is allowed on YouTube. We're going to play that today. And of course, everyone involved in that will be canceled. First, I want to tell you about one of our new sponsors on the show. We're very excited about Relief Band. You know, uh, if you have the experience of, of, of car, car sickness in particular, motion sickness, which is something that I deal with, if I'm driving, then I'm okay. But, um, you know, taking Uber, I do I Uber a lot, especially now that I live in, in the city. And so I get I get bad motion sickness in the car. Um, and uh, to the point where, you know, I've, I've had a few times where I've, it's like a 30-minute ride, and I'm, I'm almost at the, the point of having to ask them to pull over so I can puke. And that would be very embarrassing. And so I'm always looking for solutions, and um, I found one here. It's called Relief Band. So I'm very excited about our new partner. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to relieve nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, morning sickness, chemotherapy, anxiety, hangovers, migraines, and so much more. The product is 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, fast-acting, and provides all-natural relief with zero side effects. And it really does worth work. Uh, and the fact that you don't get drowsy is 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 a, is important too, because they've got some you know some medicine you can take, um, but it's gonna it's gonna for me it's gonna knock you out, and uh, you might not be in a position where you can afford to go to sleep for three hours. How it works is relief band stimulates a nerve in the wrist that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea, then it blocks the signal in your brain that's that's that your brain is sending to your stomach, telling you that you're sick. Um, relief band is the only over-the-counter wearable device that has been used in hospitals and oncology clinics to treat nausea and vomiting. And if you know someone who deals with nausea, then I would recommend relief band. My um, daughter also, is uh, she has inherited this from me. Uh, she's very grateful to have inherited my motion sickness uh, aptitude. And so I've given this to her, to her as well, and it works great. This holiday season, help someone reclaim their life from the fear of nausea. Right now, Relief Band has an exclusive offer just for Matt Walsh listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code Walsh, you'll receive 20% off. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use our promo code Walsh for 20% off. Well, ever since the media declared Joe Biden the winner of the 2020 election, uh, the left has wanted those of us on the right to understand two things. First, that they desperately wish to heal our national wounds and unite with us as one people. And also that we are vile, subhuman, barely sentient, redneck scum. Now, these two messages would seem to be in tension with each other, but it may only appear to me, it may only, may only appear that way to me because I myself am barely sentient, redneck scum. I don't know. Credit where it's due, New York Times op-ed writer Wajahat Ali has found a way to merge these two apparently conflicting messages in a, in a piece for the Times that provides, I think, an extraordinarily clarifying look into the elitist left-wing mentality, Ali describes his attempts to reach out to Trump supporters and explained why he's now given up the effort. I think it may be useful um, before examining the article, though, to review one of Ali's outreach efforts on CNN earlier in the year. 
This is a segment with Don Lemon and Never Trump guru Rick Wilson. Maybe you saw this a few months ago. But Ali performs his rather poor impression of a blue-collar conservative, mocking them for not knowing how to spell or read a map. This, again, is the guy who's trying to reach out to conservative voters. But here he is on Don Lemon's show. Watch this. He also knows deep in his heart that Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane <laughs> next to it. He knows that this is, you know, an, an administration defined by ignorance of the world. And so that's partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience, uh, you know, the, the, the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump um, that, that wants to think that, that, that Donald Trump's a smart one and they're, oh, y'all, y'all, y'all elitists are dumb. <laughs> You, you elitist with your geography and your maps and your spelling, even though my your path and your reading. Yeah, you're reading, you know, your geography, knowing other countries, sipping your latte. All those lines on the map. <laughs> Only them elitists know where Ukraine is. Sorry, I apologize. Yes, yeah, some flaws in his outreach strategy may already be obvious. I don't know. But the Times piece sheds even more light on it. Ali uh, begins, this is what he says, 73 million Americans voted for Donald Trump. He doubled down on all his worst vices and he was rewarded for it with 10 million more votes than he received in 2016. The majority of people of color rejected his cruelty and vulgarity, but along with others who voted for Joe Biden, we are now being lectured by a chorus of voices, including Pete Buttigieg and Ian Bremmer, to reach out to Trump voters and empathize with their pain. This is the same advice that was given after Trump's 2016 victory, and for nearly four years, I attempted to take it. Believe me, it's not worth it. Then uh, he explains that his Islamic faith calls him to, quote, repel evil with good. And uh, he said that, you know, because of that, he tried to find common ground with Trump supporters. Now, on second thought, perhaps labeling them evil that needs to be repelled may not have been a good starting point for this project. I don't know. But here's how he went about it. Pay attention to this. This is what he did. So in late 2016, I told my speaking agency to book me for events in the states where Trump won. I wanted to talk to the people the media calls real Americans from the heartland, which is, of course, America's synonym for white people. Trump's most fervent fan base. Uh, over the next four years, I gave more than a dozen talks to universities, companies, and a variety of faith-based communities. My standard speech was about how to build a multicultural coalition of the willing. My message was that diverse communities, including white Trump supporters, could work together to create a future where all of our children would have an equal shot at the American dream. Okay, so for Ali, reaching out means delivering lectures on multiculturalism. This is what empathizing looks like in his world. Namely, it looks like a bunch of people sitting in chairs, listening obediently while he explains things to them. And how did he know that his outreach efforts failed? Well, here he is explaining that. He says, those in the audience who supported Trump came up to me and assured me they weren't racist. They often said they enjoyed the talk, if not my politics. Still, not one told me they'd wavered in their support for him. Instead, they repeated conspiracy theories and Fox News talking points about crooked Hillary. All right, so the audience listened politely with an open mind. You know, credit to them. That, that's, that's better than I would do if I was sitting listening to this guy talk about multiculturalism. I don't think I would be sitting politely with an open mind, uh, nor would I enjoy the talk. But Ali was shocked and appalled to discover that at the end of his presentation, 
they still held their own opinions rather than holding his opinions. And if this wasn't bad enough, Ali shares that, you know, he spent a whole hour and a half in a car with a Trump supporter. And even after that, after the dumb rube had been exposed to Ali's brilliance in such close quarters for that long, he still wouldn't change his worldview, if you can believe it. He says, in Ohio, I spent 90 minutes on a drive to the airport with a retired Trump supporter. We were cordial to each other. We made jokes and we shared stories about our families. But neither of us changed our outlook. They'll never take my guns, ever, he told me, explaining that his Facebook feed was filled with articles about how Clinton and Democrats would kill the Second Amendment and steal his guns. Well, yeah. Although he didn't like some of Trump's tone and comments, he didn't believe that Trump was racist in his heart. You heard that right. A retired man refused to alter his deepest convictions based on a 90-minute conversation with a New York Times op-ed writer. Some people are just hopelessly stubborn, I suppose. Ali then concludes on a note that is, uh, that is as self-pitying as it is self-aggrandizing. He says, we cannot help people who refuse to help themselves. Trump is an extension of their id, their culture, their values, their greed. He is their defender and savior. He is their blunt instrument. He is their destructive drug of choice. Don't waste your time reaching out to Trump voters like I did. Just as in 2016, I don't need Trump supporters to be humiliated to feel great again. I want them to have health insurance, decent paying jobs, and security for their family. I don't want them to suffer. But I also refuse to spend any more time trying to understand and help the architects of my oppression. I will move forward along with the majority who want progress, equality, and justice for all Americans. If Trump supporters decide they want the same, they can always reach out to me. They know where to find me ahead of them. Now, call me crazy, but... It seems unlikely that a retiree from Ohio could be the architect of anyone's oppression, much less the oppression of a wealthy metropolitan media pundit. But anything is possible in a mind clouded by its own sense of entitlement. And, you know, we should be grateful for, for this opportunity to gaze into such a mind, as disorienting as the experience may be, because it tells us something important about the unity which the left seeks. As Ali makes clear again and again, he is only interested in uniting with those who will give up their dirty habit of disagreeing with him. His idea of compromise is for the two sides to come together and agree that he is right about everything. I think submission is a better word for the relationship that he seeks and the relationship that much of the left seeks. And we can hardly be blamed for declining the invitation. Now let's get to our five headlines. So Trump's team had a press conference yesterday where they laid out their voter fraud claims. Uh, a lot of discussion in the media afterwards has been about the, the, the physical uh, spectacle of, 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 the, of the press conference. Rudy Giuliani was very sweaty, apparently. Um, he had uh, hair dye dripping down his face. And so that's been the big headline. That, that was even the headline on, on the Drudge Report. And, but here's the thing. You know, that kind of thing. That's what you focus on. The fact that he was sweating and maybe it was hot in the room. Okay. I can sweat too. So I'm, I'm not going to judge the guy for that. And, you know, he's wearing a suit. That's what, th this is one of the things as men, this is a, this is a burden we carry. We have to wear suits, even no matter what the temperature is. That's the only formal attire we're allowed to wear. So uh, the fact that he's sweating or he had hair dye, that's what you focus on if, if you're an idiot 
or if you're too afraid to talk about the actual substance. And in the media, of course, I think it's sort of a bit of both. A lot of idiots and a lot of people that are afraid to talk about the actual substance. As for the substance, um, many different types of allegations were made. It was, a, I think, a 90-minute press conference. Rudy, in particular, asked, I thought, a number of salient questions, brought up a number of irregularities, we're calling them now, that need to be investigated. Um, and so that was sort of one, one thing. Um, and a lot of that, I've been saying all along, some of the stuff that Rudy was talking about, you know, these, these, are, these are the things I think we should be focusing on. Also, early voting, mail-in voting, mass mail-in voting, late ballots coming in. I think these are the issues that, that no matter what happens with the election, need to get our focus. And this is something that, again, no matter what happens, 2024, um, if Republicans don't resist this, if, we, if, if, if this is what it's going to be now, forget about voter fraud for a minute. But if we're just going to have mass mail-in voting, early voting, you know, where you can vote any time for six months up to the election, um, it's, it's going to be a total disaster. It's, it's going to be what this has been every single damn election cycle. Something for Republicans to keep in mind. Um, so there's that part of it. Okay. Now we could talk about that. And those to me are the sort of sober, uh, not quite as dramatic or exciting issues but important. And then there's Sidney Powell, who alleges no less than the greatest crime in American history. I mean, this is an absolutely sensational claim that she's making. Doesn't make it wrong. Doesn't mean, it doesn't mean it's untrue. Sometimes sensational, extraordinary things are true. Oftentimes they're not. Sometimes they are. But we should just be clear about what she's actually alleging here. If it's true, this is one of the most significant things that has ever happened in the country. And it's also the utter destruction of our way of life, of our democracy, our republic. It's been totally destroyed. What she alleges is that um, there was a, a plan to rig the voting machines and to switch millions of votes from Trump to Biden. That's what she says. Again, this is, this is separate from issues of poll watchers not being allowed in, ballots being counted late. All that kind of stuff. This is an entirely different thing. And here's what she, and that's what, and that's what she's saying. Uh, according to Powell, Trump not only won, but won in a landslide. I think she said, um, I don't want to misquote her, but I think it, it, she, she, has, she has said or speculated that he may have gotten like 80 million votes. Now, I, I would say before we even look at this, that that doesn't seem plausible to me. Take voter fraud out of the, the, the equation. You know, Modern America, I don't see Donald Trump getting 80 million votes. I don't see any Republican ever getting 80 million votes. I could be wrong. But anyway, so she thinks Trump won in a landslide and that the votes were switched and, um, and the machine is key. The machine was rigged. Here she is talking about it. I'm talking about some massive straight lines up in the vote tallies in the middle of the night after they've supposedly stopped counting. And that's when the Dominion operators went in and injected votes and changed the whole system. And it affects votes around the country, around the world, and all kinds of massive interests of globalist dictators, corporations, you name it. Everybody's against us except President Trump and we the people of the United States of America. We will not be intimidated. American patriots are fed up with the corruption from the local level to the 
highest level of our government, and we are going to take this country back. We are not going to be intimidated. We are not going to back down. We are going to clean this mess up now. President Trump won by a landslide. We are going to prove it, and we are going to reclaim the United States of America for the people who vote for freedom. So those are the claims. Um, we haven't seen evidence of those claims. We haven't. She says she has the evidence. We haven't seen it. I mean, you have not seen it if you're watching this. I haven't seen it. And speaking of which, Tucker, Tucker Carlson gave last night, uh, I thought, a truly great monologue. And I, you know, I would recommend watching after this show and after you watch all the other Daily Wire shows. Then you can go watch Tucker Carlson's monologue. I thought it was really, it was, it was very good. It was uh, honest and clarifying. Uh, I think probably the most important monologue that anyone has delivered on cable news since the election, which maybe is kind of a low bar, but still, that's where I would put it. It was very, very good. And he said that um, Powell hasn't even, hasn't, hasn't, he contacted Powell's people, asked to see some evidence of this so that he could, you know, talk about it. And she refused to give the evidence. But also importantly, and, and, and this is the part I think we should focus on, because a lot of the focus has been on the, the claim Tucker made that Powell won't show him the evidence. More importantly, Tucker is saying that Powell hasn't even showed the Trump camp her evidence. So here's uh, Tucker Carlson. We took Sidney Powell seriously. We had no intention of fighting with her. We've always respected her work. We simply wanted to see the details. How could you not want to see them? So we invited Sidney Powell on the show. We would have given her the whole hour. We would have given her the entire week, actually, and listened quietly the whole time at rapt attention. That's a big story. But she never sent us any evidence, despite a lot of requests, polite requests, not a page. When we kept pressing, she got angry and told us to stop contacting her. When we checked with others around the Trump campaign, people in positions of authority, they told us Powell has never given them any evidence either, nor did she provide any today at the press conference. Powell did say that electronic voting is dangerous, and she's right, we're with her there. But she never demonstrated that a single actual vote was moved illegitimately by software from one candidate to another, not one. So why are we telling you this? We're telling you this because it's true. And in the end, that's all that matters, the truth. It's our only hope, it's our best defense. And it's how we're different from them. We care what's true, and we know you care too. That's why we told you. Maybe Sidney Powell will come forward soon with details on exactly how this happened and precisely who did it. Maybe she will, we are certainly hopeful that she will. What happened with the vote counting this month and at the polling places in Detroit and the polling places in Philadelphia and so much else actually matters. It matters no matter who you voted for. It matters whether or not you think this election is already over. Until we know the answers to those questions conclusively and we can agree on them, this country will not be united. Okay, now what this would mean is that Sidney Powell is alleging she has evidence that she alone has evidence of the greatest crime in American history and not one single soul on earth has seen it but her. That is, that's the situation we're facing here. Now, a, a few things, a few brief points I want to make. First of all, Tucker Carlson, whether you agree or disagree with what he just said, I, I don't know how you could disagree with it. I mean, all he's saying is we need evidence for sensational claims. The, what, what is there to disagree with? Um, but even if you, whether you do or, or don't, the fact is he's getting a, a hell of a blowback from his audience because of this. He knew that he would get blowback from his audience. And I just want to be very clear about something here. 
because I'm seeing some of the claims on social media and Twitter that people say, oh, Tucker sold out. He sold out. He's a grifter. No, no, no. Tucker Carlson's not a, a sellout and he's not a grifter. This is not how selling out works. This is not how grifting works. Let me, let me tell you how selling out and grifting works from the perspective of, of a conservative in the media, which, of which I am one. Um, a sellout and a grifter in conservative media is someone who will never say anything that will upset their own audience. That's someone who always tells his audience everything the audience wants to hear and already thinks. Pandering is another word for it. A sellout, a grifter, is someone in conservative media or, you know, or, or any media for their own audience who will never upset their own audience. If somebody is going on in front of their audience and saying something that they know their audience will not want to hear and that may hurt their ratings and that will bring in all the hate mail, say whatever you want. doesn't mean you have to agree with what they said, but you cannot accuse them of selling out. That is them being honest about what they really think. And to punish them for it and say, I'm done with this person. You're done with them for being honest with you? This, you're going you're gonna to punish someone. So, so you want someone who's not being honest. You're looking for someone who's going to pander to you and tell you exactly what you already think. So that's the first thing. You know, there, there, there are a lot of conservatives in media over the last four years who have done nothing but pander to their audience. Not one damn thing except pander to their audience. And a lot of them get the credit for being the truthful ones. And the conservatives of media who will actually be honest and upset their own audience on, on occasion, they're the ones who get uh, blasted for being dishonest and, you know, selling out and all that. It's exactly, totally backwards. Um, so that's, that's the first thing. And, in terms of the claims, I just go back to, you know, we need to see the evidence for, for it. Um, th- there's no way you can accept as gospel a, a claim this sensational without seeing the evidence. Now, you could say, well, Sidney Powell has no obligation to show us the evidence. She has to show it in court. I absolutely agree. I've been saying this from the very beginning. My take on this is bring your evidence to court. Uh, I'm, I'm, I 100% agree with that. And I have an open mind and bring it to court and, and let's, let's hash it out. Um, the only problem is that if you don't want to provide the evidence to the court of public opinion, if you don't want to provide the evidence to, to the media, and in fact, if you're going to, um, if you're going to react almost uh, offended that the, the media would even expect for you to provide evidence, then why are you in front of the media every damn day talking about the evidence you won't show them? So that's a problem. Sydney Powell's on TV every single freaking day talking about the evidence she refuses to show anybody. Uh, so you know, if, if you're if you're going to do that, if you're going to go in front of someone and say, "I've got this evidence." Of course, they're going to say, can I see it? You, you can't. That's oh, how rude. Sidney Powell later came out and responded to Tucker and said he was being rude and aggressive. And Okay, well, it's, it's a perfectly reasonable thing. You tell somebody you have evidence of something, they say, can I see it? Um, and then uh, that's, the second point is, fine, so we got we to hash this out in court, fully on board with that. But there are a lot of people who are repeating Sidney Powell's claims as fact. They haven't seen the evidence. There's no place for that. So um, we'll see what happens. And, 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 and here's the, the final point. If Sidney Powell has uncovered the greatest crime in American history and is single-handedly going to save the American Republic, then she is one of the great heroes in American history. Um, if, however, this is a lie or a scam, then she's one of the great villains in American history. It's, it's kind of like one or the other. 
it's, it's one extreme or the other right now. That's what we're dealing with. There might be a little bit of room in between, but I think we're looking at one extreme or the other, and we'll find out which one it is. Number two, the CDC has released its guidelines for Thanksgiving. Um, here's the Daily Wire report once I pull it up. Uh, it says, okay, so if you're wondering what the CDC thinks about what you should be doing for Thanksgiving, um, it says the Center for Disease Control Prevention on Thursday urged Americans not to travel over Thanksgiving, instead recommending that they gather virtually to celebrate the traditional family holiday. Uh, the agency's COVID-19 incident manager, Dr. Henry Welk, said the tragedy that could happen is that one of your family members from coming together in this family gathering actually could end up being hospitalized and severely ill uh, or die. So um, that's what's at stake. You could kill your grandmother. We've been hearing a lot about people killing grandmothers. Um, Andrew Cuomo has effectively actually done it by the hundreds. So he, here's, here are their recommendations. Bring your own food, your own drinks, plates, cups, and utensils. Wear a mask and safely store your mask while eating and drinking. Avoid going in and out of the areas where food is being prepared or handled, such as in the kitchen. Um, use single-use options like salad dressing and condiment packets and disposable items like food containers, plates, and utensils. Um, and then it also says eat outdoors, limit the number of guests, clean and disinfect frequently, have guests bring their own food and drink. All right, so, I mean, it's I read this and I think, like, it sounds to me... Um, that if I just sit downstairs and watch football and let the women cook, you know, that, that honestly is the safest thing. That's me looking out for their well-being. So I, I have to tell my wife that. I'd love to help. And the other thing is I'd love to help clean too afterwards. But I just really feel like I need to segregate myself and uh, we can't have too many people around. And so that, I, think, I think that's what, that's what I'm going to do for, for, the, for the sake of, of safety. Um, just making sure that, you know, nobody gets sick. I am going to isolate myself in the room with the TV and just watch uh, football. In fact, I'll I'll even tell my wife, you can bring me my meal down in the room and I'll just eat it down there. Um, Again, just this is a a sacrifice I'm going to make because I love the family that much. So these are very serious recommendations that we should take from, uh, from the CDC. All right, number three. This is, a, this is an interesting poll because it's one of those polls where whether you interpret the results in a positive or negative way, negative way and it, it depends entirely on the uh, assumptions and the biases that you bring to it. So like most polls, I guess. But this poll got a lot of headlines. And the headline is 46% of voters say Trump should concede immediately. 46% say he should concede immediately. Okay. Uh, and then it goes to the text of the article. It says, 46% of registered voters said Trump should concede right away, while another 32% said he should concede if he is unable to, to back up his claims of widespread fraud. Just 12% said president should not concede no matter what, and 9% didn't know or had no opinion. You can always rely on that 9%. The, well, I, I don't know. What? Was there an election? By the way, when it comes to this poll, there, there is an obvious correct answer here. The people in the 36%, I think, what was it, 36 or 34? The 36% camp, they're correct. That is the correct answer. The correct answer is, if he doesn't have evidence to back up all his claims, he should resign. Or not resign, rather, concede. 
Um, that's, that is the objectively correct answer. The idea that he should concede even before the, the court cases have been hashed out and before he's had a chance to present all his evidence, that's ridiculous. And also the idea that he shouldn't concede no matter what, even if he can't present the evidence, evidence he still, still should, shouldn't concede, that is also absurd. I think that those two um, uh, stances on both extreme ends of the spectrum are equally as absurd. And uh, finally, going to Mental Floss, uh, which is a, apparently a publication, the issue of mall Santas this year, and if you're a parent, maybe you've wondered about this, uh, what's going to happen with mall Santas? Here's the report. Considering that COVID-19 spreads easily through close contact, it's no surprise that kids won't be sitting on Santa Claus's lap and whispering their wish list right into his ear this year. But while some seasonal Santas are only holding visits over Zoom this year, you might over Zoom. Oh my gosh! So what? You you wait in line at the mall, and there's a and you get up there, and there's a laptop to talk to Santa via Zoom. Uh, it says you might still be able to say hello to your local mall Santa in person. Uh, Jill Renslow, Mall of America's senior vice president of development, says Santa is absolutely coming to the Mall of America this year, but it's going to be a different experience based on COVID-19 requirements. Instead of sitting out in the open, the Santa Claus at Minnesota's Mall of America will be posted up in a workshop so people can snap family photos at a safe distance. Patrons, patrons won't be able to decide to visit on a whim either to cut down on crowds and long lines. All sessions must be booked in advance through the shopping center's website. So what is this, like a zoo? He's going to be behind glass in his natural environment and you can, just, you, you can line up and take pictures, maybe tap on the glass, he'll come over. Oh, he's looking at us. Um, I, maybe it'll be something similar I, at the uh, local Bass Pro Shops here in Nashville, which I have, I have sung its praises, praises multiple times on this show. Um, they have a, a Santa. And so their, their strategy is Santa is wearing a visor and he's behind glass. And so the kids can go up to the glass and I was watching people do this. Uh, you wait in line. And you go up to the glass, and then you could just stand behind the glass and wave at Santa, and he waves at you. And then you could turn around, and they take a picture with you, with him behind the glass and you standing there. And in the picture, it's going to look like Santa's in prison. So it's a little weird. Uh, you know, I, I, I would say maybe if you're a parent and, you know, you're trying to keep the Santa thing going, ne- this year might not be a good year for it. I think it raises a lot of questions. Like, he's Santa Claus. He's magical. He, isn't, isn't there some magical force field or whatever that he can use? Do we really have to worry about Santa Claus giving us COVID? These are questions that your, your, your kids might have. Um, why can't Santa Claus come up with a vaccine? He's Santa Claus. He can travel the entire world at the speed of light. Do anything. These are all, these are all uh, questions that an inquisitive mind might, uh, might come up with. So if your child is inquisitive, Maybe don't bring him to Santa. If your child's stupid, though, then uh, then don't worry about it. Makes life easier in a lot of ways. We'll get to our daily cancellation in just a second. But, you know, we, we all are fed up with the legacy media, the mainstream media. We've had enough of that, especially with, with uh, four years of Trump and how they performed and how they've acquitted themselves. Not very well, to put it mildly. And uh, during the election as well. And But here's the thing. If you're, if you're fed up with the legacy media then rather than continuing to go to them for your news and information, 
How about replacing your cable and your new subscriptions with The Daily Wire? We have big plans for the next year. We're very excited about Candace Owens is joining The Daily Wire. We've got an entertainment channel that's launching. We've got investigative journalism we're going to be doing. Uh, we're, we're teaming up with PragerU. By the end of the year, all of their videos will be available on our platform. And we're going after the legacy media. And we're going to do it by building a huge membership base of supporters just like you. Right now, just to show you we're serious, we're offering 25% off all memberships with code ELECTION over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. But pay attention to this because it's the last day you can get this deal. So go right now, sign up. Members get our articles ad-free. You get access to all of our live broadcasts and the show library, full three hours of the Ben Shapiro show, all access. To become an all-access member, you also get to, to take part in the all-access discussions, readers pass content, all of that and more. So remember, that's 25% off all memberships with code ELECTION over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Replace the legacy media with the Daily Wire. You won't regret it. All right, let's get to our daily cancellation. Today for our daily cancellation, we're going to be canceling everybody involved in this video from a publication called The Cut, which is, I believe, an offshoot or property of New York Magazine. The video is titled, So What Exactly Are White People Superior At? And after setting up that straw man, it is mostly an opportunity for a succession of non-white people to air their complaints against white people. Complaints often based around degrading stereotypes, sometimes bizarre stereotypes, stereotypes which lead me to suspect that these individuals have never met a white person in their entire lives. Um, I'm not just canceling the cut for this, by the way, and, 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 uh, and the, the, the bigots in the video that we're going to play in a moment. Of course, I am canceling that, but also YouTube for allowing it on their platform and for permitting it to be monetized. Under normal circumstances, I would have no problem with either of those things. I would say, sure, you know, it, this is ridiculous and, and, uh, and bigoted, but ha it's fine to have it on YouTube. Um, the problem is that YouTube would never in a million years allow this video in the reverse to appear on their platform. If it's a free speech platform and they're, they're allowing whatever content, fine. But this video in the reverse would not be allowed on any platform anywhere and certainly would not have advertisers attached to it. We all know that. So, all right, let's, uh, let's get to it. What exactly are white people superior at? Oh, well, according to television, everything. A white man could fly. Even a white woman, she could be four foot one. She knew karate. She could take down 15 people. Okay, let's stop it there for a moment. Um, she says white people can fly in the movies. Yes, those are superhero films you're referring to. Nobody's claiming that white people actually have this ability in real life. Do you know what a superhero film is? Did you think that The Avengers is a documentary? Just because a white person can do something in a film, it doesn't mean that the filmmakers are claiming that all white people can do that thing. When you watch Sherlock Holmes, nobody's trying to say that all white people are brilliant crime solvers. In fact, most of the other people in the movie are also white, and they can't do what Sherlock Holmes can do. I shouldn't have to explain any of this, but here we are. And this gives you an idea of the mentality that we're encountering here. Uh, the mentality of a person who thinks that a white superhero flying on film is some sort of white supremacist statement. It only gets worse from here, so buckle up. What are white people superior at? <laughs> now, I'm not going to make any rude comments um, about what you just witnessed there because that's not like me. You know that. And I think your arguments don't have as much weight um, when you go for cheap shots. I will only say that what you're witnessing here is the torture killing of a straw man. This is a straw man being drawn and quartered. This would be a human rights violation if it was happening to a real person, but it isn't, and that's the point. They're pretending that there's some 
prevalent view out there that white people are superior. As if, as, if, as if anyone's going around making that argument. Nobody's making that argument. That's the argument they want us to make. That's the case they wish they were arguing against. But it isn't. So instead, they pretend it is. And this is the result. They, they just keep talking. Mostly about their pets. White people love their dogs. Like, that's all you see. Cats letting them get on your countertops while you're cooking. Yes. I get that you love your pet, but like you need to take it everywhere, like everywhere. I guess, you know, hey, emotional support animals, I guess. I almost have some common ground here because I also hate pets. But that's not a white thing. Emotional support animals are not a white thing. That's a left-wing, pampered, entitled, urbanite thing. And that's the version of white person that the people in this video are attacking. I used to live in, I just moved from rural Pennsylvania. Nobody in rural Pennsylvania has emotional support animals. I can tell you that. Although my neighbor did have a house pig. I'm not making that up. They had an actual pig that went in, that was, you know, would, would hang out in their house. Some, sometimes a pig would escape and come on, onto our yard. Um, it wasn't an emotional support pig, though. I, I, have, I have a feeling if I had asked them, oh, is this your emotional support animal? I would have gotten shot. So, um, no, this is, this is, this is a, a particular type of white person that they're attacking. The, the irony here is that they are also all entitled, pampered, left-wing urbanites. Have you seen one person in this video who doesn't have almond milk in their refrigerator? Have you seen one person who would be out of place at a, at a you know, an, an extinction rebellion climate change protest? No. These are non-white liberals attacking white liberals. That's what's happening here. What exactly are white people superior at? <laughs> Men like making cereal. Casseroles. What kind of casserole? Tuna. It's always tuna. What do you mean? It's always tuna. Using mayonnaise in a lot of their recipes. Making bland food. Unseasoned chicken. How are you gonna start whole spice wars and don't even use seasoning on your food? I mean, come on. What exactly are white people superior at? Smelling funky. Santa Claus. Extreme water sports. Corn mazes. White people are great at having fun. That's a function of white supremacy because they just don't have as many stresses as we do. White people are very superior at their privilege and utilizing it. We do not have the privilege to do whatever and however we want to. Oh, he doesn't have privilege, sure. Yeah, he's oppressed. He's a victim of white supremacy. In fact, he's so scared of murderous white supremacists that he's appearing in a video published by a major media company where the entire point is to make fun of white people for being frivolous, foul-smelling idiots who don't know how to properly season their food. Which again, on that, on that score, that's a criticism of the kale-chomping vegans in their own social circles. Come down here to Tennessee. You'll find plenty of wonderfully seasoned food, often cooked by white people. White people who, we should note, smell just fine. Okay? Let's get back to it. What exactly are white people superior at? Insecurity. Pretending. Fear. Being fearful of nothing. Being ignorant. Yes, insecurity and fear, right. You are, you are literally appearing in a video where the whole point is to denigrate another race to make yourself feel better, but they're the insecure ones. Okay, then. Letting their egos control their every move. Privilege. Privilege. Feeling victimized. Playing the victim. Congratulating themselves over sh that they're incompetent at <laughs> or that should have already been done. They're superior at being And now they're talking about egos. Yes, egos. Again, I have to remind you, about the video that you are currently appearing in. Whole lot of ego here. 
So what exactly are white people superior in? Honey, lying, stealing, and cheating. Manipulation. Withholding information. Lying. Telling lies. What kind of lies? Uh, the lies of history. They say that history is written by the victor, but the victor could be replaced by the colonizer. What are white people superior at? Conquering. Imperialism. Imperialism. Colonizing. Colonizing. Colonialism. Colonization. Colonization. They might be better at that than us and everybody else, really. They ballsy. They rose up all over the world and they walk into everybody's house and says, oh, this is nice. I'm going to take your shit. And they have no qualms about it. They can take anything, baby. Okay, so they, they really did find a list of every person who's bought kombucha in Manhattan in the last month, take out all the white ones and invite the rest to participate in this video. They were looking for an extremely narrow perspective and they found it. What they found specifically is naked bigotry, hate, and racism. These words are tossed around a lot these days, bigotry, hate, racism, but often they're lobbed at the wrong targets. Here's an actual example. If anyone's wondering what actual racists sound like when you roll out the red carpet and invite them to spill the racist beans, here it is. This is it. This is exactly what it looks like. So what's the point of a video like this? Why would New York Magazine put something like this out there? You know, they turned off the comments on YouTube for, for a reason. They knew how it would be received. If they actually did think that there were white supremacists who needed to be debunked, um, they knew that this video wasn't going to achieve that. It's not like this is well-meaning but misguided. Like they actually thought a Nazi would watch this and go, wow, you know what? I am terrible and I do smell bad and I should expand my, my casserole horizons a bit. No, this was, a me this was meant entirely to provoke. That was quite obviously its sole intention. That's it. But provoke what? Well, provoke bigotry, hatred, and racism. That, after all, is how you get bigotry, hatred, and racism. They are self-replicating viruses, basically. If you want someone to be a racist, just be racist towards them. It may not work. Okay, you may not be able to provoke racism out of everyone or even most people, especially in this country that way, but it's the best hope you have. So the idea here is to, is to inflame some of that white supremacist bigotry, which the likes of New York Magazine finds to be in such short supply. This has been the left's and the media's tactic for a long time now. If there isn't enough racism to suit your political needs, you can... First of all, fake it. You know, just take the Jussie Smollett approach, the hoax. Or you can be a bigot yourself, hoping to get some bigotry in return. This is called race hustling, race baiting, and it's far more insidious than those terms make it sound. It's, it's really quite evil, actually. And so everybody involved in this video is canceled permanently, forever and always. May God have mercy on their souls because they'll need it. And we're going to leave it there for this week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020.
If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. 